0: We thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, uh, that you've given us the opportunity to join you and receive from you your incredible grace, which surpasses knowledge and understanding, but is the best way to live and the best way to be the church. So we pray, Lord, that this morning and in the weeks and months and years to come, that we would indeed be the church, giving thanks to the Father, bringing ourselves to your table, and going forth in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would begin that process now. And we pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I heard an interesting uh, kind of life hack podcast recently on how to negotiate your monthly bills. So how do you lower your, uh, your cell phone bill just because? How do you lower your rent just because you wanna pay less every month? Like, how do you actually do that? What's the negotiating process? And there's someone who is like walking through, there's a, apparently there's like a script that you use that's a very reliable, tested script that you use on the phone or with your landlord or whatever. And the script goes like this. You, first of all, um, you establish how long you've been a loyal customer, okay? So is it right, I just wanted to check I've been a loyal customer with American Express since 2011, right? Can you check your records? Yeah, it looks like you have. Okay. Well, um, I'm just going through all of my bills. The second thing that you do is you talk about the other competitors that have offered you a deal. And so, okay, I've been a loyal customer, but then these deals are coming my way. The third thing is really crucial. There's this phrase, this liturgical phrase that you're supposed to use in this conversation. And that phrase is called, times are tough. Okay, so I've been a loyal customer since 2011, you know, uh, Visa has come in with a really great deal, and times are tough, okay? And from there, they begin to break. (laughs) Now, I didn't go through with that and try it, but I really like that phrase, (laughs) times are tough, because in many ways, it's very true, isn't it? When you think about life, especially life in the city, times are tough. Rent goes up automatically, doesn't it? It's like 3% every year, 2% every year, maybe more, depending on the neighborhood that you live in. Uh, Bills are going up. Property taxes going up. Big hike with property taxes in Chicago right now. Most of us are probably not paid what we're worth, either in your day job or in the that you make when you're not at your day job. People expect you to, oh, you're an artist? You'll just make the art for free, right? Because you love it. Times are tough. It's hard to make ends meet in the city. People deal ruthlessly with us in some ways. Sometimes it feels like the corporation's on the other end of the phone, all they want is our money. And so we have to toughen up if we're going to make it work. So what happens when we live in a world where times are tough and we're treated ruthlessly? You know what starts to happen? Tough times make for tough hearts. Tough times make for tough hearts. And we stop being generous. We stop sowing liberally, as it were, sowing with trust. We start to hoard we start to manage, we get very, very suspicious. And something happens to us spiritually, not just financially, something has happened to us spiritually when we have been dealt with ruthlessly. Tough times make for tough hearts, tough hearts make for tough sowing habits, what the author of our text will call uh, sowing sparingly sowing sparingly, investing in the world sparingly, only giving just as much of our life and labor as we'll get by, and negotiating that down as much as we can. We're in a two-part series uh, last week and this week on becoming a generous church. Becoming a generous church, becoming generous people who follow God. What does it look like Not to sow sparingly, but to sow unto blessings, to sow liberally, to sow generously, and to reap generously in the Lord. To move from scarcity and suspicion, uh, to give from the heart, to give cheerfully, to give as Paul says, he says, each one must give in verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, which is most of life. (laughs) We're giving reluctantly. We're giving under compulsion. We give because we have to. Um, How do we move out of that to being a cheerful giver, which God loves from the inside out? How do we as a church make big investments in our city, in our neighborhood, and in our world, expecting big returns in the Lord, sowing lots and lots of seed, as we can see in our imaginations, a huge overflowing harvest that the Lord will reap, a harvest of goodness and joy and righteousness, a harvest of people who know God who would otherwise never know him. How do we become the kind of church that sows like that even though we live in tough times? In other words, how do we go from from the place of times are tough to thanks be to God? Those are two very different liturgies and we have to learn the liturgy of thanks be to God when we have overlearned the liturgy of times are tough. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Last week, we talked about the role of imitation in becoming generous. Imitation, finding examples of generous people and generous churches, ultimately the generous Lord Jesus Christ who for our sakes became poor so that we through his poverty could become rich. We have to find examples and then devote ourselves to following that example, and then actually imitating that example. This week, we're going to talk about the role of worship, the role of worship. We don't just need imitation. We need worship, the worship of the living God, so that we can become uh, a generous people. We need to be able to see beyond the surface elements of the worship service that we're involved in today, to see the deeper meaning, and to see how we could devote ourselves afresh to this worship if we are going to become a generous people. And we can be. It's an offering of grace. Grace will begin to overflow through us from the inside out, not as a measure of coercion, but as a measure of the overflow of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at three liturgical movements that we will enter into to become a generous church. The first one is we offer thanks to the Father. Secondly, we bring An offering of our whole lives to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then third, we are sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit to be a generous people in a tough world. We give thanks to the Father, we bring ourselves to the table of Jesus, and we're sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a a life of joyful, liturgical, heavenly worship, of the living God that will change us from the inside out. So let's look at offering thanks and praise to the generous Father. You know, today is Father's Day, and congratulations and happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, This can be a joyful day of remembering your dad and, and calling your dad and maybe celebrating with your dad. That can be a very sad day, a very tough day if you've lost your father um, or if, uh, if, if your father left, or if your father wasn't what he needed to be for you or, or for your family. Um, maybe it's sad because you want to be a father, but you, but you have not yet been able to be a father for one reason or another today. Um, and I just want to say, no matter what, uh, this is a spiritual family, and we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're here on this Father's Day, because we all have, we all have our ultimate, our Heavenly Father and uh, we, thank, we want to enter into thanking him. Um, so sometimes, uh, those of us who, who have had fathers, we forget, um, until it's Father's Day, we forget all that our fathers gave us. We forget all that our fathers gave us. And our fathers um, gave us something, um, even if it was just a, na- a name or their DNA, but they gave us something. Uh, many times, they gave us a lot. They sacrificed a lot. And, and while we were in it and under that, we just didn't realize all that our father was giving us, all that he was doing for us. And as generous as our fathers may have been, uh, none of them, none of uh, no father on earth, um, is as generous and as gracious as our heavenly Father. And when we come together in worship, we remember how generous and gracious and good our heavenly Father is. So even when times are tough, even when things are the most scarce they've ever been, even when the 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 bills that we have, the student loans that we have. are as high as they ever were, as are the property taxes as are, as are everything else that costs us money um, or, or time or, or energy, um, our father, our heavenly Father, is always giving us enough to give to others that 's how generous he is. We have a generous father with lots to give um, Paul, the, the author of our, our our letter he was writing to a, a church plant in Corinth, helped them be generous, and here 's what he teaches them about the Heavenly Father, that we come together this morning to worship. He says this, God, God is able to make all grace abound to you. He is able to make all grace abound to you. So he's not stingy and he's not tough hearted. Um, He's the most generous and gracious father you could ever imagine. And the result of his grace is the second part of verse eight. He says, so that having all sufficiency... In all things, at all times, we may abound in every good work. So no matter how tough things are, whether you're dirt poor with a lot of debt, um, or, or whether you're, you're, you're abounding in blessings, no matter what your circumstances is, because of the generosity of the Heavenly Father, we have all sufficiency in all things at all times, and that we're able to even abound in every good work. We have enough to meet our needs. Um, And we have enough to bear fruit in the world. We're not just surviving. In the Lord, we're never just surviving. Even when it feels like we're just surviving, we're never just surviving in the Lord. We're thriving, not just now, but for eternity. So verse nine looks like, maybe it looks like to you that verse nine is talking about God, but it's actually talking about the people of God. Look with me at verse nine, as it is written, this is Paul making his point about the generosity of the Father. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, this is a quote, a direct quote from Psalm 112. And if you look back at the context, Psalm 112 is 100% about the righteous person. It's, it's all about the righteous person who's following God, who is, who is overflowing with generosity for the life of the world. It's this ennobling picture of the, of the kinds of people that we are called to be. I'll quote the larger context from Psalm 112. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. They are gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the person who deals generously and lends, who conducts their affairs with justice. They are not afraid of bad news. Their heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. And then it goes on. He has distributed freely. They have distributed freely, given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. This is the kind of people that the generous father is interested in in making. He is interested in cultivating righteous people whose righteous deeds endure forever. Faithful people who will sow seeds that will reap a harvest that, that endures way beyond their life. That's the kind of people that we are called to be. That's the kind of church we are called to be. Um, So, underscoring this picture. So, how does God do that? Well, Paul uses the language of a a seed supplier, of a seed supplier in verse 10. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower, back to talking about the Father here, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, I have a couple of seed packets here. Um, I don't know if if any of you had... uh, we're able to 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 sow seeds as a kid. My dad is a gardener, and so when I was a kid, he'd give me these little packets, and, and and he would teach me to like take each seed and like press it into the ground, um, like the length of my finger, and then close it up and water it and weed it and stuff. And it was so much fun for us to together see the seed that I got to sow. The privilege of sowing, um, was was sprouting. Um, so I didn't go out and buy these seeds. My father went out and bought bought these seeds. And, and he taught me how to sow them. And so I, I like the, the tagline on this seed for lettuce. It's like, clearly more seed, okay? <laughs> clearly more seed. Um, and and I, I love that because that's who God is. I mean, he is supplying seeds for you to sow, he supplies seeds for the righteous to sow, doesn't he? What seeds of effort? What seeds of talent? What seeds of money? Has the Lord given you to sow into the world, to bear fruit? This is what the Lord wants you to do. He wants, hey, take some seeds. I'm gonna give you a talent that you did not earn. I'm gonna give you a little extra money that you did not earn. I'm gonna give you a free Friday afternoon that you did not earn. And I'm gonna let you press it into the ground and cover up the dirt and water it. And then you and I together are gonna rejoice to see the fruit that comes out of the ground from that seed. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of father that we have as a church. That's the kind of father that you have no matter how your earthly father treated you. He's a generous father. He's a loving father. He's a, he's a caring father. He's, he is so generous and loving uh, that um, it even surpasses our imagination. But it's very tangible. It's tangible enough that even if we, I mean, take a minute to think about, even this week, the resources that you have that you did not deserve, the seed packet the Lord's given you that says clearly more seed on the front (laughs) to sow. It's helpful to think, maybe even take an inventory of all the stuff in your basement that you're not using that you could like give to people and how joyful that would be. That's the kind of father that you have. If you're financially strained, I mean, even think about anything that you have that's extra that you could supply to others. I was reading a Marilyn Robinson book called Lila, and there's this beautiful picture. You know, Lila comes from poverty, but um, she, she, marries a, she marries a kind preacher named John Ames, and he treats her so lovingly and kindly, even when she's cruel to him. And there comes a point where Lila comes upon someone who is in circumstances like she grew up in. And, and what happens is that she, because of all of the kindness that has been put inside of her, as well as the kindness and resources that has been given to her, she just starts to give to this young man who, has, um, who is running from really horrible circumstances and inviting him to, to take clothes, extra clothes that, that she has in her house and inviting him to just keep the money that he stole from her. And just, it's this beautiful picture of someone who used to be miserly and scarce all of a sudden passing on the kindness that has been put into her. And that's what the father loves to do to us. This is the kind of father that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. He's a good father who gives a seed to sow. So what do we do in our liturgy? To the one who has enriched us, verse 11, in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. What do we do? We say thanks be to God. It's always right to give him thanks and praise. It's a good and right and joyful thing to give thanks to the Father, to, 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 to come around and say thanks be to God, to take hands not only with each other but with the saints and the angels and the archangels and also with the global suffering church and give thanks to the Father for how generous he has been to us. This is the heart of what we do when we come together on Sundays. We give thanks and praise to God and this is what transforms us from tough hearts tender hearts, from miserliness and scarcity to generosity, sowing blessings for the sake of blessings. This is a beautiful thing to be caught up with all heaven and earth around the generous Father who has given us life. The second thing that we do after giving thanks and praise to God is we bring an offering of our whole lives to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't just give a little bit to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give everything to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is pictured in two ways. Actually, it's pictured in three ways. The first way, that bringing an offering of our whole life, as Romans 12, one and two says, an an offering, a whole life offering, a whole life sacrifice to Jesus Christ in response to his generosity. Number one, it's symbolized as we bring forward the bread and the wine. Now, the bread and the wine is over here um, at this table, um, but the bread and the wine is offered from the people, okay? Sometimes we forget this because we're, we're, you know, we're sophisticated, so we figured out a really good way to have bread. But let's see, who made this bread this morning? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you made this bread this morning. Who did it? Does anyone know who made this bread? Mandy? Ah, Mandy Beck made this bread. Mandy Beck is in St. Louis now, but you know what? She made this bread, not on behalf of the church, but on behalf of the people. And this bread and this wine is brought together. This is what the ancient church did. It's what we continue to do. It's from the people. It's a gift from the people saying, This is from our life. You know, it's not just picking an apple. It's I mean, you're you're taking wheat and, and you're making bread and, and you're taking grapes and you're making wine. This is the best of human culture. This is our life here. And we're bringing it to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, this is yours. This is a gift to you, Father. And you know what the Father does? The Father receives it and says, this is just what I wanted. And it's offered to him by and with and in Jesus Christ. And it's accepted because of that. All right, so our whole life is symbolized by the bread and the wine. And we also bring ourselves forward with the offering. Okay, even if you're giving on the app or online, or if you're putting cash money into the basket, what's brought forward, and the deacon of the day brings it before the altar and bows before the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's offered unto God as a symbol of our whole life. We're saying, we're not holding anything back. This is, this is just a, this is what I want to give to, to the Lord and to the poor, to the work of the kingdom, the third way this is symbolized is that we come forward to the table, and we receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ <clears throat> as an offering of our whole life. It's, it's, um, it's the ultimate altar call, really. We're saying, I'm yours. I belong to you, Jesus, and I need you. We bring our whole, we bring our bodies forward, and we say, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Second Chronicles, sorry, First Chronicles, has a phrase, a phrase that comes from the liturgical worship of Israel. And um, it, uh, it says, yours, O Lord, is the glory and the power and the kingdom. All things come from you, and of your own have we given you. All things come from you, and of your own have we given you. All of it comes from God, and we're saying, you know what? I'm not holding anything back. This is yours. My life is yours. The bread and the wine are yours. We bring it to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ by him and with him and in him. And as we do, what the Lord does is he takes our offering and he multiplies it. He multiplies it unto ever-increasing thanksgivings. He lengthens the table, as it were, so that more people can sit at the table and worship at the table and gather around the table with the angels and the archangels. Here's what Paul says in verse 12. For the ministry of this service, that is the generosity, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. Okay, so it's not just this bare minimum thing here. It's not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. It is overflowing in many thanksgivings. The word here um Eucharistine, many thanksgivings to God, and not just people being like, thanks, God, I got more money, or thanks, God, I just supply my needs, but a thanksgiving, you know what thanksgiving is. If you know what worship is, you know what a full-throated thanksgiving is, because it's giving your whole life to God. It, it's, it's an overflow um, of your soul to God. So um, the table, our table, and the tables of those that we reach are joined So for the Corinthians, when they gave to the needs of the Jerusalem church, it was almost as if their table and the Jerusalem table were joined. They held hands, began to pray with one another. They were now united because of the way that the Lord multiplied the thanksgivings of the Corinthians. Paul says in verse 13, by their approval, that's the Jerusalem church, they're suffering, they're poor, um, and and, uh, the tithes are making it to, to, to their church, they will glorify God because of your submission. They will glorify God in a way they wouldn't have otherwise because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Now, don't miss the incredible beauty of this. There is a cross-cultural unity that has, um, that's being created by God through the generosity of God's people. The Corinthian church is offering their, um, their contribution to relieve the suffering of the Jerusalem church. And what uh, Paul notes that the father is doing is he's taking that offering, and he's bringing unity between the Jerusalem church, the Jewish church, and the Corinthians church, the, the, the Gentile church, kind of the new, the new churches that are being grafted into the, to the old ones, and he's making them one. And they're praying together. And, and even from a distance, they're worshiping the Father together. Now, isn't that beautiful? And you know, I got a letter from the, uh, the missionaries that we gave to, the cross-cultural workers that we gave to. We had a Good Friday offering, and uh, we gave $10,500 to um, to the work being done by Interserve in northern Iraq, they're serving uh, they're they're serving refugees that are suffering, and so and had been enslaved by ISIS and have a lot of medical needs and a lot of psychological and spiritual needs. And we gave to them, and they wrote to us, "Thank you so much. This was unexpected. You know, we we are really praying about how best to invest these resources um, for for the relief of of the of the Christians." They told us stories you know we never would have heard stories, we wouldn't have this relationship, this cross-cultural relationship, were it not for generosity. This is what the Lord does with the generosity of his people. This is only the beginning for our church. And can you imagine not only the table lengthening because of cross-cultural unity, but the table lengthening because of the new people that we were able to reach and share the love of Christ with? The people who um, this year and in coming years say, thanks be to God, My life is overflowing with thanksgiving to God because Emmanuel Anglican Church was generous in funding VBS (laughs) so that I could hear about the love of Jesus. That's the kind of generosity that we are called to as the church. That's the kind of generosity that the whole church is called to. The table lengthens as we bring the offering of our life to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that we bring to the table is multiplied in supernatural ways that we can't even predict. But we begin to sow generously and we begin to see the Lord reap generously. So we give thanks to the Father. We bring an offering of our life to the table. And then the third liturgical move that we engage in to move from times are tough to thanks be to God is this. We go forth into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are sent forward from this worship space in the power of the Holy Spirit saying, thanks be to God, alleluia, alleluia. One of the key ways that the Lord is generous to us is that he puts the gift of the Holy Spirit upon us, the gift of the Holy Spirit in us so that we become generous people. Because let me tell you something, most people in Chicago are not experiencing the generosity of God in worship they need to experience the generosity of God in his people who have been transformed in worship. He wants to uh, show them what his generosity is like because most people live in a times are tough reality, a godless times are tough reality that that is scarce, that is hopeless, that is tough. And don't you want to show tough people the generosity of God and the ways he is gifting you to do? All this... um, is pleasing to God. This is pleasing to God when we're generous in this way. It says in, in um, verse 7 that God loves a cheerful giver, and the thanksgiving abound to him. It's not just us that receive the benefit, but God is pleased as we are sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15 says this, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. I'm not even able to articulate the joyfulness of it, gift. I have a colleague who uh, uh, tells a story about his colorblindness. He, he is colorblind, and as he shares it, he has, can only see 5% of color that the rest of us can see who are not colorblind. And people, he's like, people ask me all the time, what's it like? <laughs> and he's always like, I don't know. LAUGHTER When we have not experienced the inside-out transformation of God's inexpressible gift transforming us and flowing through us, it's like being colorblind spiritually. We don't know what it's like to overflow with generosity, to overflow with thanks be to God, because all we can think about and operate in is times are tough. And one of the things that happens when we come into this holy space that has been set apart for God's purposes is we experience the power of the Holy Spirit to say thanks be to God, to bring our offering of our whole life to his table, and to go forward and overflow for the life of the world. Let's do that together as God's holy church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.